Alright y'all Key to stay Is to be open minded Right That's why I just say You might not like it What up, what up But it's real So listen up Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome back, welcome back. Welcome to the newly minted Whistling in the Dark podcast, formerly known as the No Hope podcast. Same host, Patrick Bradley, same location, Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, the title change, you know, I pretty much came up with that No Hope thing just thinking for a couple minutes it seemed funny, kind of an inside joke. Uh, most of the feedback I got was that I should probably think about changing it. And uh, so here I am. I went with something that, you know, it's a little, uh, it's still got that cynical vibe. You know, I'm talking this, you know, this stuff on the radio, but, you know, it kind of feels like whistling in the dark, right? You know, not sure I have a whole lot of hope for all this, you know, good work from my libertarian sisters and brethren. Not really sure that it's going to end up anywhere great, but hey, <laughs> at least we're whistling, I guess. So today I would like to mainly talk about maybe some different topics, but... um They've all kind of circle around Trump. And, uh, you know, I I mentioned in uh, early episodes that, uh, you know, I did not vote for Donald Trump. Um, you know, not even close. Uh, I'm libertarian. You know, it's, it's a lot to even get me out to vote. You know, I'm a voluntarist. I mean, I... I pretty much reject this, you know, entire idea that anybody can can vote to take away, you know, my property rights. So, uh, you know, I'm pro-organization, but uh, anti-government, you know. I think that the difference between simple human organization and government is... The use of aggressive violence, um, you know, and you can you can read a whole lot about that if you're interested. Uh, you know, I would probably point you to Murray Rothbard as as the most in um, well, you know, the first guy off the top of my head. But there certainly are a lot of other people uh, as far as people alive today. I would go to. Um, I guess Tom Woods first. And if you want to listen to a funny comedian talk about it, um, but he still gets, you know, the basics, Dave Smith. Um, but anyway, so, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not voting for Trump. And um, <clears throat> for the most part, uh, you know, and I don't, and again, I mean, you know, as a voluntarist, like, I, I mean, I'm not following the news too closely on a uh, a day-to-day basis. You know, I pick up the headlines, but, you know, it's uh, it, it comes across to me like, you know, pro wrestling, you know, just some fake, uh, 
two-sided battle, you know, between people that behind scenes are friends, you know, and are, you know, stacking their money together. Um, you know, certainly not everybody that participates in government at every level is like, you know, that dialed in, um, you know, but it, it very much feels, you know, manufactured, um, this sort of left right paradigm. Uh, you know, I've talked about it before and I find it very difficult to believe that there really are just two types of people in this world, liberals and conservatives, you know, um, I tend to believe in, and, um, I will, I promise at some point to do some, some good, uh, background reading on this and do an episode on propaganda, the history of propaganda, um, you know, I don't want to talk out of my ass too much um, on this episode about it. Um, but, yeah, feels controlled, you know. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have seen that uh, that YouTube video rolling around about the... Um, it. They go through in... Uh, you know, I just bought software today that's going to allow me to route... Uh, Skype calls or any other audio source into my, I use Logic Pro, which is just, you know, it's uh, like recording studio software, but allows you to route, you know, anything into that, which is great news for me. So I can still record everything in, in this uh, DAW, but, <clears throat> you know, I can bring in these other sources and Skype or whatever, you know, however somebody calls in, as long as it's on my computer. Anyway, uh, so I will do, I, I haven't figured out how to use it yet, though, but I'll, I'll do it before the next episode. And um, there's this YouTube video where it's all about the, um, they show all these different media outlets. I mean, it's 15, 20, and it's, they're all talking about fake news and how, you know, it's this really big problem, but they, you know, are the real source, essentially, is what they're, you can trust us, watch out for the fake news. And so somebody just spliced together all these broadcasts, and it's a script. I mean, it's, it's literally word for word verbatim a script. Um, I mean, this is all over the country. I don't know if they did it all in one day or whatever. Um, but I'm sorry, you, you know, you can't get a script into the hands of every single like local news outlet. Um, I mean, I, I guess to be less conspiratorial, you, you know, maybe it's one of those things like, uh, I don't know. You know, it came out. AT and T bought Time Warner today. I don't even know what. I th I don't know if even Time Warner controls stations, but you know what? Uh, what is uh, GE owns NBC? So you know these these are sort of conglomerates. So I mean, I guess you could spin a slightly less conspiratorial um, spin on it and just say, hey, look. They're owned by this big corporation, and this big corporation wanted to have a statement, you know, sort of from it 
about its news sources. Um, but in doing so, <laughs> it becomes sort of frightening the number uh, and, uh, of news sources that are controlled by this one single entity. I mean, I mean, whether or not it, you know, they're, you know, these Illuminati's controlling everything or they're just shithead, you know, rich old white dudes. I mean, you know, you get all these different news stations reading the same script. I mean, just verbatim. That's a lot of concentrated control and power. And, you know, like I've said sort of throughout all this, it's really fucking hard for regular people to not get brainwashed. I, I, I absolutely believe that. I, you know, I look at, you know, I look at these headlines going on, all you know, these different sites. And I, that's what feels hopeless to me, you know. I feel that just 50, there's probably 50% of the population that is defenseless against that. You just repeat something and it's a, they pretty quickly adopt it as true. And um, so in the spirit of this, I thought, uh, so the, the stuff, the topics are the big, I mean, to me, the, you know, the big thing. Um, and to most um, not completely insane media outlets, the big thing is North Korea and, uh, you know, uh, Kim Jong-un and Trump meeting their, their summit in Singapore. Uh, you know, this is, I, I would say, the biggest news in the, uh, you know, Trump presidency. Um, Probably the biggest news uh, throughout the entire Obama presidency as well. Um, and at least the biggest news that they would report on, since they won't report on the wars. Um, and the other, uh, something that really grabbed me, uh, a headline I just saw, I don't, I don't remember where I saw it, uh, but I did, I, I dug up. You know, well, dug up. I typed in the Google uh, about Trump and the legalization of marijuana. Um, so that that was interesting. That was also this week. And another thing was the um, net neutrality. And the reason that I'm bringing that up, I'm sorry, I'm I'm just reading to see. Um, the reason I was bringing that up is that yesterday it officially uh, was repealed. And, um, you know, all those things are, you know, very much connected to Trump. So I thought that um, as long as I don't ramble on for really, really long, uh, you know, maybe I can talk a bit about Donald Trump and sort of what I think and particularly... I, I, there's a, I think there's a reactionary element to the way I feel about him that if I, what, you know, if I sort of was just in a vacuum and knew what he did, I wouldn't feel this way. But because I'm in this just maelstrom of, you know, media about him 
constantly and friends and, you know, and these very extreme opinions, um, uh, it's almost just this reactionary thing about him that, uh, you know, my feeling inside. Um, Anyway, so let us peruse the headlines. So I'm opening it up now. This is what we're going to look at. We're going to look at, uh, we're going to do the old CNN, Fox, MSNBC, BBC, and Al Jazeera. Just want to see, right, I feel that we are all on the same page. Trump, Kim Jong-un, Summit, Singapore, top news, blows everything out of the water. The fate of millions of people in North Korea hang on what happens here. And uh, not to mention, you know, I, you know, I don't know that that war would ever have broken out. But if it did, I mean, now now the fates of, of many millions and millions, tens, millions more or whatever, uh, you know, hang in the balance of this because, you know, it, North Korea decided to fire a nuke, you know. Anyway, so let's go to what I would put as the, apparently the most grounded. We go to aljazeera.com and top news, Trump and Kim sign agreement after historic summit. So there you have it. I mean, you know, it's the big main article that's what they want you to see first. BBC. And I don't know if they redirect me to some U.S.-focused one. Uh, but anyway, it's bbc.com slash news. But so uh, their top article, U.S. reassurance after North Korea war game oh excuse me u.s reassurance after korea war games halt i'm gonna read this uh subtitle here president trump or the summary uh, i gotta pull it down here closer president trump's surprise suspension of military military drills is seen as a major concession to north korea all right i mean their their top article is about this. It's uh, talking about what the U.S. Uh, you know what did what 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 is this a core agreement or whatever that was signed? I guess they're talking about um, the U.S. side of it. All right, so let's see what does MB MSNBC have at the top. Do you think, do you have any hope that they actually have an article about this North Korean summit? No. Web of, I mean, I feel like I did something wrong here. Web of elite Russians met with NRA execs during the 2016 campaign. God. So, 
There it is. That's their big news. That's the top article that a uh, the NRA execs met with a web of elite Russians. Whatever the fuck a web of elite Russians means. Uh, our, uh, our best buds over at CNN.com. Here we go. The top article. Former FBI Deputy Director sues DOJ and FBI. Andrew McCabe has filed a lawsuit to get documents that were used to justify his firing. Yeah. That North Korea stuff. Who gives a shit, right? Good job, CNN. And <laughs> Fox News, um, their top article says uh, raves for Rocket Man. And as a picture side by side of of uh, Kim and Trump and the Subtitle there is Trump praises Kim Jong-un as strong, funny, smart, and a great negotiator in a Hannity interview. Cool. Uh, so this is getting a little more tabloidy, but, you know, hey, so what, you know, what are you going to say? It, it still beats it, right? I mean, it's uh, so... I mean, I guess I'm going to have to try to start bringing in Fox News more often because it is kind of, um, it's a bit unfair to make this judgment off of one uh, one visit to all the homepages. Um, but today, uh, Fox News beats BBC to me as far as covering shit that matters. Um, not BBC, I'm sorry. Fox News beats CNN. You know, they, uh, everything is about the, this McCabe guy. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, so that's the deal. And I thought it might be cool. Al Jazeera has the full text of the Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump's joint statement. President Donald Trump, the, I think, I, th it, I think this, I'm thinking I'm starting at the right uh, the right spot, which is the actual uh, statement. It says, President Donald Trump of the United States of America and Chairman Kim Jong-un of the State Affairs Commission of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea held a first historic summit in Singapore June 12, 2018. President Trump and Chairman Kim Jong-un conducted a comprehensive, in-depth, and sincere exchange of opinions on the issues related to the establishment of new USDPRK relations and the building of a lasting and robust peace regime on the Korean Peninsula. President Trump committed to provide security guarantees to the DPRK, and Chairman Kim Jong-un reaffirmed his firm and unwavering commitment to complete denuclearization denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Um, convinced that the establishment of the new USDPRK relations will continue 
to the peace and prosperity of the Korean Peninsula and of the world and recognizing that mutual confidence building can promote the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, President Trump and Chairman Kim Jong-un state the following. Number one, the United States and DPRK commit to establish new U.S.-DPRK relations in accordance with the desire of the peoples of the two countries for peace and prosperity. The United States and the DPRK will join their efforts to build a lasting and stable peace regime on the Korean Peninsula, reaffirming the April 27, 2018 Pam Munjom Declaration. The DPRK commits to work towards complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, yeah, number four, the United States and DBRK commit to recovering POW MIA remains, including the immediate repatriation of those already identified. Having acknowledged the U.S. DBRK summit, the first in history, was an epical, epochal. Uh, I've never seen epic used that way. Uh, epochal event of great significance in coming overcoming decades of tensions and hostilities between the two countries and for opening up a new future. President Trump and Chairman Kim Jong-un commit to implement the stipulations in the joint statement fully and expeditiously. The United States and the DPRK commit to hold follow-on negotiations led by the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and a relevant high-level DPRK official at the earliest possible date to implement the outcomes of the U.S. DPRK summit. President Donald Trump of the United States of America and Chairman Kim Jong-un of the State Affairs Commission of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea have committed to cooperate for the development of new U.S. DPRK relations and for the promotion of peace, prosperity, and security of the Korean Peninsula and of the world. And I guess these two bros signed it. Ah, so... Um, I do think it's a little odd. I, I would assume that the Korean peninsula refers to North and South Korea. Um, so it's kind of weird that they keep referring to that. Maybe that is that previous, um, I, I've never, I never, I didn't actually read this before. So you're getting my, uh, raw take on this. Um, but I guess maybe they're referring to the, um, this Pan Moon, Moonjum declaration that uh, was signed on April 27th. Um, and that's about the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And uh, I do think it's funny that they don't have anybody <laughs> named in North Korea to work with Pompeo. It's just going to be a relevant, high-level DPRK official. So that's pretty tight. At least I can ascend, you know, some low-level bum to negotiate. <laughs> Peace with the United States. I'm glad. I'm really glad they added that into this agreement. Um, that's probably the big, the big news. And um, yeah, uh, you know, I uh, I've actually was listening to um, Michael Savage, Savage Nation, his take on this earlier uh, today. And uh, I have to say, you know, I don't, I don't. I don't know where I fall in line with him. I mean, I think he's more of like a, a conservative and I'm a libertarian. Um, but, you know, on this, I do think, you know, his take was just kind of like, all right, I mean, it's certainly better than having it not happen. Uh, and that's, I definitely feel that way. I mean, 
this could end up being a catalyst of nothing. Um, but, you know, at least as of tonight, you know, June 12th, 10.39 p.m. Eastern Time, it's, uh, you know, it's better than before they signed this document together and hung out. I think they took a, a nighttime drive. So, you know, so that's cool. I'm, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'll get to it in a, in a little bit, hopefully. Um, but this, you know, I don't know. Trump's a, it's a weird time, you know. It is, uh, it is a weird time. Uh, I, you know, I have to say, during Obama's presidency and Bush's presidency, there was very, very little, you know, to ever, you know, from my perspective. And I mean, granted, during the Bush years, I wasn't, um, you know, I, I was sort of in a second term kind of fledgling, you know, libertarian, I guess. Um, but I, you know, there wasn't much. I mean, you know, I, I remember, I remember the distinct, clear thought on 9-11, 2001, after both towers had fell down, my feeling was so many more people are going to die because of this, you know, and I was not very tied in to uh, politics. I didn't pay a lot of attention. I was in an undergraduate physics program, Drexel University, and it was really hard. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, it was pretty much like a seven-day-a-week kind of program. We were working all the time, you know. I mean, I just, that's what I was doing, and I was playing music and uh, had a girlfriend. I mean, I, I just, that that was pretty much what I did, you know, and... Um, but it still seemed pretty clear, you know, even at that time in my life, without maybe the theoretical backing, you know, and it just seemed clear that, yeah, you know, we're, we're it's like the U.S. is this, uh, I don't know, man, this bully, this, this thing that's like got to prove how always, you know, prove how tough it is, you know, no matter what it is, right? Like Trump's the first signature on this. I mean, people are going ape shit, you know, all, all the negative about this apparently is that we gave up too much. Um, <laughs> I mean, the stop. So we're going to stop war games on their border, uh, I, apparently we could still have all the fucking troops that we want pointing guns at them, missiles, whatever. And in return, their part of the deal is to get rid of their nuclear weapons. I don't know. You know, one is the ultimate like field leveler, right? Nuclear weapons are the thing that make it so other countries cannot invade you because 
need, even if you just have nothing, you're 1% of the manpower to fight, you can launch a fucking nuke and that changes everything. So they're going to give that up and, and then we're not giving up anything and we're just going to practice somewhere else, I guess, you know? So, um, anyway, uh, <laughs> some, uh, long tangent. What the hell was I talking about? Why, why was I talking about the, um, and, oh, you know, I guess just seeing something positive, you know, uh, I mean, off the, off the top of my head, I mean, I'd say with Obama, you know, there was the Iran deal and some people attacked that. Again, it's like us giving up money. I mean, it's not in the grand scheme of things. For it, It's just this idea that like our, like the U.S., the way the U.S. should negotiate is f- just threaten to kill you and then you capitulate. Like, the other country capitulates, and the only thing that we do is not murder you. That's, that's like, what, it's like, if it, it just seems like there's this camp in the United States um, that is just, it, you either take that stance or you're, like, anti-America, or you, you want to weaken America. I mean, it's just insane, you know? I mean, I, it's just... This just like all out, just, it's just like, we're just the biggest meatheads, you know, the world's ever seen. We just, anybody fucking blinks in our direction and we're just off the fucking handle and throwing haymakers, you know, beating the shit out of them, taking their girl, flexing our muscles, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, anything but that is somehow perceived as weakness um you know and and i think if you uh i realize that you cannot just stretch every analogy from a country to a human being but the analogous human being is a piece of shit right like nobody wants to hang out with that person um you know when they don't really like get what they want right like like tact matters every level of human interaction right it's good to have tact so why can't you know why does the u.s just have to just be this 100 percent like on the brink of violence if you don't do everything that we say so anyway i mean i don't really think that trump even broke from that that much i mean this is a pretty minor uh thing he gave up uh, or agreed to do, but, you know, uh, I mean, I guess some people are, <laughs> you know, really think it's a big deal. And, uh, by the way, I forgot to mention antiwar.com. I did want to, you know, I like to bring, um, bring them in. I think that they're a much more viable news source than CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. And, um, top Top news story headline: U.S. to sus- uh, U.S. to suspend war games with South Korea. So you know they got it in their top. Uh, they got it in their top stories. So it's 
And they got some other stuff. You know, Middle East still popping off. We got 23 killed in Iraq uh, by Turkey. Uh, we've got ISIS takes credit for at least 13 killed in Afghan ministry attack. 34 insurgents killed in Afghan military raids. Um, you know, so that's still going, but I, I'll give it a, I'll give the Middle East a break today as uh, there's some other, you know, important news with North Korea. And um, so I also wanted to touch on these these two other uh, these two other uh, topics, the, um, the the weed legalization stuff and the net neutrality. And I apologize. I really haven't, you know. Um, don't know a ton. I honestly don't know a ton about the legalities of all this. Um, but my understanding, and uh, this was a Forbes article, it's called The Art of the Deal. Trump looks to trade cannabis legal legalization for judicial nominees. Um, so Forbes is, you know, saying that this is some sort of political move. And so that's great. Um, I don't, you know, whatever. I don't, I mean, I feel like that's like what politicians do is they push things, you know, they give up something to get something else. And they hope that in the process, they're giving themselves more power. Um, and then you have the rare, you know, Ron Paul or Dennis Kucinich that, you know, actually has a soul inside of their body. Um, but I don't know that Trump is one of those guys with a soul. Um, but he's definitely a wild card. You know, I got to give him that. Uh, Trump, I mean, I'm sorry, Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Reagan, you know, they were puppets. Fucking all the way down the line, man. Uh, I mean, and, you know, maybe, I, you know, that's one of the baffling things about the, you know, the conservatives look at him at Reagan as like this great example when he greatly expanded government and you know I, I think that the whole neocon movement started there because you know actually the Republicans were more the party of peace uh you know and and I mean conservatism is generally leans towards small government and small government does mean less military. I mean, it's part of the government, you know, but they've somehow managed, and this is, you know, my little conspiracy theory media thing. And they've somehow managed to, 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 to separate them and brainwash the, you know, the, the right wing into accepting that you, the small government and big military are compatible, um, you know, and, uh, you know, that's pretty crazy. And then they, you know, and then, then they somehow like did a, you know, got over on both sides and, and, and somehow without really any discussion at all, they just uh, got the left to just stop giving a shit about war. By having Obama can you know perpetuate the the wars in the Middle East and then start a bunch of new ones, 
Um, so, I mean, an uh, unbelievable success of propaganda and with between the sort of powers that be and the, you know, the general U.S. population on the topic of, of war. I mean, an absolute landslide victory. It's completely out of the media, you know? It's, uh, I mean, I, I, I feel like the liberals feel bad about it, maybe, but they don't talk about it. And uh, they'll even, you know, the liberal media will even, will even like attack Trump for, you know, military weakness sometimes now. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, um, so what do we have here? Uh, it, so let, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I got no, uh, I've got no like background to sort of, uh, you know, counter what's in this article right now. So let's hope Forbes isn't completely out of their minds. Um, I do like this, uh, this lobbyist, uh, name, I guess she's, I, I actually don't know if to say he or she, but, uh, a lobbyist for, for weed, Safira Galoob. So Safira Galoob is a lobbyist who works on cannabis issues for the liaison group in Washington, D.C. Uh, and believes the state's bills, it's all capital, S-T-A-T-E-S, all caps, is a significant step towards the end of the federal cannabis prohibition, no matter its ultimate fate. The States Act removes cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act for those states who have cannabis programs, letting each state dictate what is permitted and what is not. Iowa can be Iowa, California can be California, and Oregon can be Oregon, said Galoob. Most significant. So, okay, so number one, I, the only question I have is for those states that have cannabis programs, uh, I would assume that they're, that's just like a really poorly worded way of saying that the federal government is no longer going to classify cannabis as a controlled substance. So then it is no longer illegal from the federal level, but states are still free to uh, say that it's legal or illegal. But if the state, uh, to me, if the state says does has nothing about it, then it would be considered legal. Um, Anyway, so most most significantly, which I would uh, disagree that this is the most significant, but it is Forbes and they're very money focused. So the bill opens up banking to legal cannabis companies. So the billion dollar industry no longer has to operate and pay taxes in cash. I mean, that's significant. I wouldn't say it's more significant than actually legalizing weed at the federal level. And um, there's some restrictions about uh, workers' age being over 18, and this this actually I could you could maybe argue is most significant. The bill also removes industrial hemp, which contains less than one percent of the psychoactive ingredient THC from the legal definition of marijuana. Hemp can be used to make textiles, paper, and rope. 
Galoob says this is the first bill with language that is sufficiently broad to be both powerful in its impact, yet realistic in the political support it can garner. So, you know, we'll see how this goes, but apparently the whole, the, the, that this act or this, yeah, this state's Strengthen states. Oh, it's an acronym standing for strengthening the Tenth Amendment and trusting states. Wow, that is very clever. So apparently, uh, you know, as of today, at least, um, Trump is in support of that. Uh, so that's pretty. That's pretty wild. If weed was legalized at the federal level under a Republican president, though. The one that I, in my lifetime, I've seen, he's the fourth. I, uh, I mean, people really hated young Bush, uh, but they, uh, I, I think this might be worse. I think people may, I, I think the left may even be more, uh, have more hatred towards Donald Trump and, um, would be would be pretty funny if he was the guy that legalized weed. Um, so anyway, so there's that, and uh, so so Trump's got that going for him. So Trump gets Kim Jong Il or Kim Jong Un to uh, sit down, or he sits down face to face with them, signs a, a deal which Un agrees, you know, on this piece of paper to denuclearize, and he says, "I'll stop." doing war games on your border with, you know, your neighbor, South Korea. And um, he is uh, right here on the seemingly on um, the horizon is federal legalization of marijuana. And I'm sure you haven't fucking heard about that, right? And I mean, you know, maybe it doesn't make it, I, you know, I... I never that that's another reason that I don't pay like a crazy amount of attention to specific bills and stuff because like it is it's really complicated and you know I don't know how many I probably the time I paid the most attention was back when Ron Paul kept trying to pass a audit the Fed bills and I just didn't get it man I mean he would get all these sponsors he would have a bill sponsored by all these people uh, all these other people in the house or senate or whatever and like it would just never get passed i i just i never understood it. it seemed like everybody was into it but then it wouldn't get passed um so anyway but something that did happen was uh the net neutrality being struck down um so i wanted to find out what um so uh, there's a new I guess there's a new FCC chairman Ajit uh, Pai and um, he proposed to repeal so anyway there what I guess what you've heard is net neutrality was repealed and yesterday was a day it went it actually officially went into effect so june 12th uh, i think we're two days in so hold on to your hats 
ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between and outside. Because, uh, my God, we don't have the FCC protecting us anymore on the Internet. Oh, no. It's happening. It's all happening. Can you fucking believe it? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, this is something that I was, I, I think that I I heard a, a Dave Smith episode that he talked about this net neutrality stuff when it was like first, you know, they announced that we're going to repeal it or whatever. And, um, I have to say, man, it was, it was pretty brilliant. It's one of the better, uh, takes on it. I I've seen, um, you know, I, I think from like a very high level, you know, he, he sort of just brought up the idea and the thing that, you know, personally incensed him was all these comedians and all these people in entertainment and stuff that, that are like, clamoring like falling over each other to have the fcc regulate the internet you know um like comedians right like you know like you can't say fuck on the radio right like is that where you know you want you want the crew that's that's like you know making that happen um and finding people and, you know, and making it so all like, think about this, right? Like, all the radio stations are owned by one, you know, or a fucking handful of companies, right? He's just like, what What do you call it? Uh, oh, fuck, I forget what you call it. It's not a monopoly. It's, it's like an ollie or something. Anyway, where it's like, there's very few... There, there, there aren't incumbent radio stations, right? They passed all these crazy rules and they made it so like that. And they auctioned off all the frequencies. I mean, they just fucking took control. And it wasn't always like that. You know, go, you know, read, read some history about the history of terrestrial radio in the United States. You know, um, they were homesteading. Like you broadcasted a frequency in an area that nobody else was, and you could stake claim to that. Like that's how private property works. That's the like the the inception of it. And the idea behind that is okay. So the first person to discover a piece of property, whatever it's a piece of land, it's you know gold under the, you know, dug it up out of the ground. That person, they own it. They just, they own it because nobody had a prior claim to it. Now, this doesn't hold for something like what happened when Europeans started coming to the United States and just fucking killing Indians and taking their land, right? Like, that's not the way that you transfer property. That's violence. That's not voluntarist. Now, if they came over and said, hey, we'll trade you this gold for this land, which, um, you know, I'm sure happened in some places. But, like, you know, I'm a bit skeptical since basically all the fucking Indians that were here are dead. So, probably mostly it was the former just murder and take land. Um, but, 
you know, it's funny that, but with this sort of radio, right, it, it came in a modern era, like that nobody knew how to broadcast at any frequency, and then they knew. They started to figure out. So people get radios. They're, in the beginning, there's just not a lot of fucking radios, right? So you get a radio, you know, some person gets it, it broadcasts a signal, it has a radius, and you say, okay, like I homesteaded this frequency at this radius. So there you go, you know? Bam, it works out. You fucking document it, and you can bring in a court. Somebody else comes in and tries to just fucking blast over your radius, you know, in your frequency. We'll call it a, 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 a radius frequency or frequency radius. I like that, frequency radius. Um, you know, and you got a case. And, and, you know, like you don't need, you don't even need special rules. Property rights just protect you. You know, like you you use property rights for deciding, uh, uh, you know, in ownership over something that's scarce. And that frequency ban in that geographic area is scarce. You can't put two signals on it at the same time. And just a little teaser, we'll get it at some point, but information isn't scarce ideas are not scarce so the application of property rights in that arena is a misapplication right so intellectual property is a misapplication uh now i have a buddy of mine a lawyer a lawyer friend and uh you know he's he's not totally on board with that idea but I think that there's something about, you know, in there with like trademarks and fraud, right? Like if I have a brand and I, I, I develop, you know, Coca-Cola and then, you know, some other person comes and uses my exact logo and tries to start selling, you know, it the same way. that And it's not my product. They're obviously... I mean, so maybe it's not obvious, but I, I would think that, that you would prosecute that based on fraud. They're defrauding the people that they're selling it to. Um, I don't know that me, as the owner of Coca-Cola, have a big case against them. I'm not sure, you know, it's the people that thought they were buying the real, authentic Coca-Cola that I had built, you know, this brand I built, um, but they were deceived into build, buying something else. And I think that that is, in that sense, yes, you know, um, fraud is, uh, should be illegal. The libertarian or the voluntarist, uh, they don't get down with that fraud shit. So, where was I? Um, so, you know, we see that, you know, and, and I don't know if it's the FCC that uh, they, they have it. And I, I pulled up this Wikipedia article on net neutrality in the United States. Um, so, you know, there's a, a bit of history here they have. So, um, and again, I'm bringing down to this closer screen. So it's easier for me to read. Uh, I'm trying to find a sort of good 
summary area. It's, it's, I, I'm I'm quite interested, sort of, in the early history. So you know, um, wh- one of the things that um, people say to you know against uh, net neutrality is that well, we didn't we did I mean net neutrality only kind of came into being in I think 2015. I mean, I don't think there was any problem. It's like, you know, so the idea is it's trying to solve a problem that just didn't exist. Um, so that seems good. Um, that, that actually makes sense to me. And what, but what I heard counter to that was, yes, but before it was classified um, as like a utility or something. And so it actually was able to be regulated and there was, they weren't able to quote unquote discriminate or whatever the data. Um, so let's just look over this really quick. This early history from the 1980 to the early 2000s. This is Wikipedia. So, you know, hopefully this is all right. The ideas underlying net neutrality have a long pedigree in telecommunications practice and regulation services such as telegrams and the phone network, officially public switched telephone network, have been considered common carriers. That's the important word, common carrier phrase, common carriers under U.S. law since the man Elkins Act of 1910, which means that they have been akin to public utilities and expressly forbidden to give preferential treatment. The Communications Act of 1934 created the Federal Communications Commission to regulate the industry and ensure fair pricing and access. In the late 1980s, the Internet became legally available for commercial use. And in the early years of public use of the Internet, this was its main use. Public access was limited and largely reached through dial-up modems, as was the bulletin board system dial-up culture preceding it. Now, uh, I would, I would absolutely, if I'm understanding what they mean by commercial use, I would disagree that in the early years of public use of the internet, it was for commercial use that that is absolutely not true i mean businesses were the main operations on the internet were not businesses communicating or doing business uh, with each other you know it wasn't like b2b was the original internet and then you know the fucking consumer internet rose up no it was fucking people just like they don't even knew what the hell it was for. This is random communication tool, this way that people could connect and <laughs> they start building websites and, you know, whatever, just connecting. And uh, I, I disagree. I disagree that the early years of public use of the internet, that commercial use was its main use. Public, I would say public access, access was limited and through to dial-up modems, sure. Anyway, being business services, cable modem, internet access, and high-speed data links, which make up the internet's core, had always, since the creation, been categorized under U.S. law as an information service, unlike the telephone services included 
including services by dial-up modem, and not as telecommunication services, and thus had not been subject to common carrier regulations as upheld in National Cable and Telecommunications Association versus Brand X Internet Service. So it's a specific uh, ruling that they're citing. So if you do hear what I, you know, or read what I read today, it's, it is incorrect. Um, the internet, uh, internet, um, was not class, was not subject to common carrier regulations. And that's the big deal. However, by the nineties and two thousand, the internet started to become common in households and wider society. Uh, okay. I guess maybe there's in the eighties, it was commercial. I don't <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess that's before I was on the internet. Also in the in the 80s, arguments about public interest requirements of telecommunications industry in the US arose, whether companies involved in broadcasting were best viewed as community trustees with obligations to society and consumer and consumers and mere market per, or mere market participants with obligations only to their shareholders. The legal debate about net neutrality regulations of the 2000s echoes this debate. By the 1990s, some U.S. politicians began to express concern over protecting the Internet. Guess who? This is, they have a quote. Guess who? This is uh, attributed to how can government ensure that a nascent Internet will permit everyone to be able to compete with everyone else for the opportunity to provide any service to all willing customers? Next, how can we ensure that this new marketplace reaches the entire nation? And then how can we ensure that it fulfills the enormous promise of education, economic growth and job creation? Al Gore, 1994. Okay, so between 1994 and 2015, when they fucking finally passed net new, some net neutrality stuff, I'd say the internet did pretty damn well on its own, didn't it? Made a lot of fucking jobs, a lot of education. You know, I actually learned how to be a web developer from the internet. <laughs> literally well, that's how i learned it man i went on site i went online found tutorials found videos that was able to download all the open source software you know i mean i don't know fuck man next they're probably going to somehow try to regulate open source software if they do that 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 would fuck stuff up that would really really fuck stuff up open source software is like the fucking core of the internet Every single website you go on, every, I mean, God, every piece of software you use is written on top of open source languages, frameworks. It's, it's, ev it's everything. Databases, you know, let's see, one of these ding-dongs using fucking Oracle. Um... In the early 2000s, legal scholars, oh, whatever. All right. FCC promotes freedom without regulation in 2004. In 2004, the FCC chairman, Michael Powell, announced a set of non-discriminatory principles, which he called the principles of network freedom in a speech to Silicon Flatirons Symposium. Powell encouraged ISPs 
to offer users these four freedoms, freedoms to freedom to access the internet, freedom to run applications, freedom to attach devices, freedom to obtain service plan information. In 2005, uh, anyway, so they, they put that out, uh, and they, they didn't, um, make any laws or anything or any regulations they just suggested 2004 in the court case usta versus fcc voided the fcc's authority to enforce rules requiring telephone operators to unbundle certain parts of their networks at regulated prices this caused the economic collapse of many competitive local exchange carriers the United States broadband services were historically regulated differently according to the technology by which they carried, while cable internet had always been classified by the FCC as information service free and most free of most regulation. DSL was regulated as telecommunication service in 2005. FCC classified internet uh, access across phone network, including DSL, as information service, relaxing the common carrier regulations and unbundling requirement. Okay, so yeah, they they relaxed it. They put DSL on the same footing uh, from a regulatory perspective as cable. Um, the, mod the modified principles. Consumers are entitled to access the lawful internet content of their choice. Consumers are entitled to run applications and services of their choice subject to the needs of law enforcement. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck is this? I never heard this. Consumers are entitled to connect their choice of legal devices that do not harm the network. And consumers are entitled to competition among network providers, application and service providers, and content providers. I don't know how somebody's entitled to competition. I mean, so like if I go on the moon and I say I'm entitled to competition for fucking internet providers, what good does it do? There's no internet providers on the moon, you know? And then if the first guy comes there, are you immediately acute? You know, let's say the first company runs some fucking long ass cable. They figure out how to beam a satellite, you know, signal from Earth you know, internet to the moon, you know, the first company that, that does that, uh, you know, you're going to start screaming monopoly then, right? I mean, the fuck. And, uh, <laughs> wow, this really annoys me. And, um, yeah, this, these new, wow, 2004, they, the FCC seems super cool. And 2005, it just got super weird. So the new principles, number two, consumers are entitled to run applications and services of their choice subject to the needs of law enforcement. What the fuck does that even mean? I mean, fuck that. Anyway, um, and apparently 2005, 2010, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys are fucking dying of boredom at this point. So from 05 to 10, they, uh, the FCC tries, I guess, and fails to enforce net neutrality. Um, oh, here we go. FCC conditions for spectrum au uh, auctions. This is yet again, right? This is like, give it to their fucking cronies. I mean, this, 
This shit is awful, man. Um, you know, so Google comes in and bids. Right? I mean, it's like, okay, the libertarian way, the 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 fucking property rights way to do this is saying, hey, first first come, first serve. Whoever's the first person to find this property, it's yours, you know? And or to use it, right? It's yours. And and you know, it sure, I mean, that doesn't seem like the most um I don't know, uh, like romantic or sophisticated way of divvying out stuff. But, you know, the argument is, well, how, how do you give it, how, what argument do you make that you should give it to the second person that shows up? So I show up, I stake out this pot of land, the next person, you know, he rolls up, and so the law should be, that person should get it. I mean, that's essentially it. That's that's like, and, and the third person is even a more difficult argument, you know. So now what you have is the, now you have the government essentially taking control of all of it, saying we, we own it now, and then now we're just going to sell it. So what does that change? So, I mean, who receives the property? The fucking rich people. Not the fucking people that found it. <laughs> so that's that's what they want to do, right? That's what they're trying to do. And I'm not saying every single person in the FC. I, I think it takes some knowledge of economics to even see it like that. They don't see it like that, right? I'm sure most of the people in there just don't fucking get it. They probably think they're doing a good job, you know? They don't. But, like, who are you selling it to? Google entered a bid for $4.6 billion. You know, so that's what happens. Or, you know, somebody could have just started using that signal in their town. You know, and this is where... It's so funny. People are so like, oh, buy local, buy all this. And what do they think? What what will people say when you, I mean, because I've fucking had this discussion a million times, you know, and they're saying, oh, yeah, but then how could you possibly have a network work with all these different, you know, people that own different slices of it? You know, you need this just one monolithic owner. Yeah, it's like, all right. So, yeah, you actually want your overlords, you know what I mean? And I mean, you, they'll fucking figure it out, right? People figure it out. The market is like, people want to be able to, to use the seven, this was, they were at, they were auctioning the 700 megahertz band of, and uh, so, you know, different people own that. I mean, they all want to make money, right? And everybody wants to communicate through the 700 megahertz, you know, bandwidth. I mean, there isn't one single uh, owner of all of the internet, you know, connections. But they somehow developed a magical protocol that allows us to communicate through all these different wires or wirelessly. 
to get from fucking point A to point B, you know? Somehow happens seamlessly. Mm, you know? I mean, like just <laughs> open standards work. I mean, look at the fucking internet, man. It's still here. It's still here today. It's going to maybe, maybe it won't last because they're going to do something to get this net neutrality bullshit to come in and they're going to slowly squeeze the fucking freedom and free market out of this. And we used to have people voluntarily agreeing to standards and you know those standards wind up holding up because people aren't forced at gunpoint to use them. You know that they're actually pretty good. You know, I mean, they're not perfect, right? I mean, there's still some incumbency, right? That, like, maybe there's a better idea, but, well, you know, 95% of, you know, all the websites were developed, you know, using these standards and these browsers are already supported and, you know, we'll try to get it in in the next version or whatever, but, you know... It miraculously works. I mean, yeah, man. I mean, this this idea that like nobody would ever do anything charitable, nobody would ever organize, you know, all this shit without the government sticking guns to your head is absurd. And I mean, and what what's the biggest, you know, economic revolution that we've seen? The biggest technological what was the thing that changed everybody's life that just exploded and the thing that just changes day after day after day and new stuff comes and new stuff comes. It's the fucking internet. Because it's like they haven't figured out how to fucking kill it yet with regulations and they're they're getting close. And they're going to do it. Like they're gonna do it i promise you you know it's gonna happen it's because you know no nobody can can manage on their own just so few people are, are able to see you know to see this um and and every single you know all the major media outlets are gonna tell you that net neutrality is good and that we want this regulation you know, that somehow Google and Facebook and Microsoft and Amazon, they're the good corporations and Comcast and I guess like AT&T, I don't know the big ones and, uh, you know, they're the evil corporations. They, for some reason, Google, you, the media wants to convince you that they really do want your best to have your best interest in mind and that's why they're pitching you know for all this and but but comcast and at&t you know they're they're evil corporations they're bad um i mean i i'm from philly you know i i actually know people that work for comcast and <laughs> pretty nice people man not evil people you know not any more evil than in anybody else you know and i know people that work for google i i don't i in my experience i haven't seen a particular you know moral leaning in on either side of that um you know it just fits their thing man i mean they want to the control they they want I mean, and, and again, it doesn't have to be this crazy, like, Illuminati conspiracy. It's incumbents, right? Google, Facebook, you know, whatever. They they want 
they want the regulations to make it harder for, you know, for me to make a new website and that could possibly compete with them like they did at one point. Um, oh yeah. You know, and some, something else. So uh, any, anyway, so, uh, let, let's just finish this off. So they did then, you know, finally pass this, um, this ruling and I think it was, uh, the net neutrality, March 12, 2015, they released specific details. Um, blogging site Tumblr placed links to group fight for the future and net neutrality advocacy, advocacy group. Save the internet, the battle for the net. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't, uh, how, like, save the internet from what? From itself? Like, this regulation, it wasn't there, you know? I could see somehow if you could argue that, oh, well, from 1990 to 2000, there was this, you know, Regulation, regulations and that helped grow the internet and all its infrastructure and then after 2000 it was repealed and then things got really rough and it was hard you know the people weren't able to get equal access and and isps were blocking sites and just you know putting up their own versions of sites um you know, but then 2015, you know, we need to save it and get back, you know, and that's the campaign. But it, it, it's just like, I mean, we just read through it. You know, we just went through it. It's bullshit. There was no fucking net neutrality regulations. It wasn't uh, classified under the, you know, it didn't fall under common carrier regulations, except for apparently DSL because it was running on a phone line. And then they even pulled that off. And everything's fine. I mean, what the fuck is Tumblr complaining about? They make, became like humongous website with hundreds of millions of users in this unregulated internet. And now they want the regulation. You know, I mean, these ISPs apparently cooperated long enough to get them hundreds of millions of users. So, you know, uh, Trump, I guess, gets this new guy in. For the FCC, and he gets, uh, they get rid of net neutrality. And yesterday, you know, it happened. And, you know, I honestly think for now, it's just steady as she goes, right? Like, um, I don't, I don't think that the, I'm not, okay. So, one little conspiracy thing I have about this, or just maybe it's black conspiracy, but, um, I don't, I just don't, I don't know if there's a connection because yeah. Okay. So if I'm this fucking jazzed up, right, we did have net neutrality rules in place for like two to three years. And I honestly can't really say that much changed, right. During that time either. I don't, you know, I don't think so, but I, I will say that we saw way more like censor, censor, censorship from websites. Now this was, you know, just a website sort of set like YouTube pulling down stuff that it didn't want on there or whatever. Um, or, you know, Twitter, what have you. 
And um, I, uh, I, you know, I just never saw that. I, I, I just, you know, sh- sure, like um, illegal stuff was taken down, you know, you know, like child porn or, and there was definitely like community stuff. I mean, for sure. Like self-regulating, regulating, but it just kind of came on the heels with all this like fake news and, um, you know, and and uh, and it, you know, it, it was interesting on Hacker News. Um, one time I saw a, uh, uh, I so that, that's a, actually something I mean, I, I've talked about, kind of like where I get information from. I actually read Hacker News quite often. Um, I mean daily, definitely, and um, that's um connected to an incubator called Y Combinator and they just put up it's sort of like a it's kind of like a single subreddit almost like that's how it functions it's just like a reddit style interface I guess um anyway and uh I um I was it was funny you know it was something about uh some these YouTube and these like really weird videos man they were like guy was like putting up videos of his children and his daughter it was like kind of sexual it was it was really weird um but then people were talking about you know their stuff getting taken down and and um you know getting kind of caught in this thing and um and now from the world i live in right like i'm i'm you know following mostly libertarian stuff uh for a laugh i'm looking at cnn and fox news and then you know I mentioned Savage or, you know, Alex Jones, right, or David Icke. I mean, you know, these guys kind of, they feel, some of them feel, you know, a guy like Owen Benjamin, comedian, he's totally kicked off of Twitter. Um, you know, it seems like, oh, man, they're really witch hunt for the conservatives because Silicon Valley's all liberals. Um, and I'm not saying that that isn't true, and I would, you know, uh, would say that that's largely what I have seen, but I also am generally looking at that side of the fence, that sort of you know libertarian, and then maybe glancing over the the conservative a bit, and then definitely looking at the conspiracy theory um, area. And I'm not spending that much time on the liberal side. I mean, just not. And. Uh, but anyway, re- reading all these comments, it was kind of funny because they weren't really like political, and a lot of people had experience with it. They had different channels, and they were sort of hypothesizing why they got demonetized. You know what was happening, and you know, and they they it, it some of it was just like really like dumb. Like they thought it was kind of like keyword stuff. You know, like. And, and they're, you know, and, and I mean, their business, like they make money off of these videos and they aren't able to monetize and they were like, oh, this sucks. But, but the con- it was, it was just cool because it was like the conversation was not about like left, right, conservative, liberal, and like, you know, mainstream media holding them down. It was like, man, you know, YouTube is trying to programmatically deal with you know pretty shitty content that they don't want you know that that you know i I guess it's not illegal but it's certainly not politically motivated it's literally it's like protecting children kind of motivated and at absolutely no you know political leanings and you know you could see how just stuff that a human would obviously not bump in with it but was apparently getting demonetized. And, you know, Google is 
very notorious for having like zero customer service. And so it's like you get caught in their fucking meat, gr- meat grinder and they're just like, they don't say shit. I mean, they just like don't respond. And I could see how somebody like Alex Jones could experience that as like this targeted attack on him and they won't respond. And, you know, um, but it was just nice to see that, like, you know, maybe maybe it wasn't that, you know, may, maybe there is an alternate explanation. And it's just it's they're fucking using algorithms and stuff. And I, I can't speak for what's happened on Twitter or anything else. But, you know. Uh, and the the last thing I wanted to say on, on this was um, this uh, GDPR. This is the biggest. Um, now, net neutrality past 2015 didn't uh, do much material from my perspective. And it, like I mentioned, I've been for years now. I've been employed, worked for startups or for big companies. I was doing web development for years. So, I mean, this is my industry and I saw, I, I, I felt nothing from the net neutrality stuff. Um, there were other things um, I remember coming down, but they were more uh, more about like NSA stuff and that kind of thing. And people were always really against that. Um, but this GDPR thing that happened in the EU, um, now again, now I, I am, like inundated with stories about this on Hacker News. I'm pretty sure it's not getting a lot of play in the media uh, in the U.S. You know, and we're very U.S.-centric. But this affects the U.S. Um, this affects, you know, startups, internet companies um, in a really, really major way. And in in a way that people are not sure... Uh, a lot of people are not sure how to deal with it. And um, it's it's basically, it's all, you know, again, on the surface, it, uh, it uh, you know, it sounds good, right? Uh, what's, I'm trying to think. Um, let's see if I can just get the basic. Oh, as of May 2018, with entry into application of the general data protection regulation, there is one set of data protection rules for all companies operating in the EU wherever they are based. Stronger rules on data protection mean people have more control over their personal data. Businesses benefit from a level playing field. All right. So, as usual, people having control over their personal data and a level playing field sounds great. Except... Right. The government actually cannot. The only thing the government, any government can do in a market is unlevel the playing field. The free market is the level playing field. Anything other than that is not a level playing field. The government is tipping the scales in favor of whatever the fuck they want to. So. Uh, people having more control over their personal personal data. I mean, that sounds pretty good on the surface, at least, right? How do they do that? Well, they do it with some pretty heavy regulations. And as usual, these regulations hurt much more the smaller your company is. They're number one, the fines. There's a cap. There's a there's a cap for the biggest fine that they can give. So <laughs> And I think it's like an enormous amount. It's like a $20 million fine. So so that means that 
As far, unless they're able to fine you for every single user to the 20 million, which I don't believe that that's how this is written, this law essentially doesn't matter to Facebook. It doesn't fucking matter to Google. A $20 million fine, you know how much money it's going to cost them to get into compliance with GDPR? And I'm not saying they're not going to do it because I guess there's some PR sort of stuff to this as well. But this is how regulations work. They, the costs are minimal, you know, um, they're easily handled, right? So one of the things that you have to do with GDPR is you have to have a GDPR compliance officer. Now, they do say that it can be somebody that's already on the team. So that's great. So I guess if you're just a solo founder, you can just say, I'm it, and then you're it. But there's like all these, you know, regulations and stuff. And I, you know, I have a buddy of mine in France and, um, you know, he said, uh, he just would had a, he had already started building um, this app that he was is going to release soon and um, and he you know he didn't really know what he was just like ah whatever you know I'll, I'll do this and um, he's going through it and he you know, he said he was like honestly man if I had known what this was like how much work this was going to be to get in compliance or whatever it's like I you know I wouldn't have built it. I just, it just wouldn't have been worth it. And I, you know, I don't know if he still holds that uh, feeling now. Maybe he's, maybe he was like literally in the middle of the paperwork and he just was feeling super bummed. Um, but, you know, there it is, right? Like this app might be really cool. Um, I think it will be. And uh, it's actually something that I'll use. And it's really, it's built for, it's going to be something for developers. Um, and, uh, you know, that wouldn't exist. I mean, just it would, right? Like, had this happened a year before, he would have never entered into this because he would have been aware of what it is. And also, you know, what about, like, fucking Freebright? Like, I have a website in um, that is for Swift developers called So So Swift. Dot kind, just a place that people make tutorials and they can post links to them on my site. People can find them. And it's pretty defunct at this point. Um... Uh, but occasionally people still put stuff up there. Um, but like it, when you see how this regulation is written, it doesn't matter that I'm a U.S. company. It matters that EU citizens use my site. And an EU citizen is protected by this. And now you could say, well, yeah, but if you're not like, how are they going to prosecute you? Well, I don't think that, you know, the EU is going to try to extradite an American citizen for running some fucking free website, right? But what if they did want to come after me for some reason? I don't know, because I'm a political dissident, you know? Be, you know, like, what if this podcast picks up, right? And somebody fucking finds, you know, this episode and <laughs> and and says, oh, shit, he runs this website. And it's not in compliance. And we know that there were EU citizens. Like, let's fucking put a warrant out for him. And then I can I not travel to the EU? Are they going to find me $20 million? I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. But, like, that uncertainty is what the government brings into a free market. You know, they bring violence, they bring threats, and they bring uncertainty, and they fucking tip the scales in the favor of whomever they want to. And I get to tell you, 
you know, I think you're pretty naive if you think that they are tipping the scale in the favor of the little guy. So this is a this has been a very, 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 very long episode. I see that <laughs> two and a half hours. I just let it rip. I don't know. I was talking and uh here we are. And um I wanted to just do a final summary on Donald Trump in general. And I I believe that in, to some extent, I, I think I I think my feelings are shared by a good number of libertarians. And, you know, we, so what I was saying in the beginning of the podcast, if you can recall many hours ago, was that if I just knew what Donald Trump did and what he's done, I would not be a fan at all, right? I wouldn't I probably wouldn't even see it as a whole lot different than Obama or Bush, you know, particularly, you know, I focus on the Middle East. I mean, shit's still still going pretty much full steam ahead there. He even repealed the Iran deal. Um, you know, and then this North Korea thing would would certainly show on my radar. Maybe I could throw him a bone for that. But for the most part, you know, he said he said some good things in his campaign about the Fed and what they did, you know, as far as the bubble and interest rate. I mean, he seems like he had some conception of it and he's absolutely turned about face on that. And he wasn't very strong on it to begin with. And now he's just, you know, uh, the, the Fed is his darling, you know, um, he's got this big quote unquote economic recovery and, you know, all this shit. And, um, and, well, I mean, again, I mean, I guess he's dabbling in this uh, legalizing, legalizing weed. I mean, that's like, I literally saw that like yesterday. So let's just step back two days and three days in the past. And, you know, I would just, just he actually had said some pretty, you know, he had been pretty uh, hard line, at least in his comments about like war on drugs and stuff. So anyway, but so, you know, I'd just be like, yeah, fuck that dude. Right. He's just another piece of shit, you know puppet for who the hell ever is behind all this, you know, f war machine and uh, whatever. I wouldn't, you know, I'd be out there. I'd want to protest as much as way I've have for the last, you know, couple of presidents and, you know, Bush or Obama and whatever, you know, not, I'm not down, not down. Um, but I am, uh, you know, but I, it's like the the negative i mean just the the ridiculous attacks on him um just like outrageous stuff like just i, I it's not it's not even that any one thing is like wrong or right it's just like never stops coming like i I mean, they're just con right. They're just constantly trying to uh, impeach this guy, right? So you have like I don't even know what's going on with that. I honestly, I get confused on who the names even are: McCabe and Mueller and Comey, and I, I don't even know. I don't even remember who's his ally and who's not. They may all be against him. Uh, maybe there's somebody else, 
That was his ally here. Anyway, I mean, you got the FBI fucking and going after him. So essentially, what you know, because I pay attention, because I have a bunch of liberal friends, and uh, you know, uh, most of the media that I see from the mainstream, I I guess I just don't turn on Fox News that much. You know, it's coming down from CNN. Should I see shared on Facebook or or like Huffington Post or some shit? You know, and it's just like. All, all negative, negative Trump. But, but like, it's like the left has become like pro FBI and like pro CIA and like pro war. You know what I mean? It's fucking crazy. This just happened so fast, you know? Um, I mean, you know, when, I mean, when Bush was in office, I mean, it was very, very much focused on against the war. And it was very, very focused on um, stuff like the Patriot Act, you know, and then stuff like held water. Like it was it was fucking awful. You know, I mean, they lied to get us into the war and. uh You know, whatever, man, I'm totally down. I mean, I you know, like I called it. Fucking September 11, 2001, I knew a bunch of people were going to die. And uh, and they did. And we did exactly what I thought. And, you know, surprise, surprise, they lied their asses off to, like, get in there. And, um, or, like, I guess to get, like, people okay with it or something. And, uh, and then, you know, the Patriot Act was just, you know, it was god-awful, you know. But then Obama fucking keeps it going. And uh, I think he even added some things. Um you know, drone striking people. I mean, that's just straight up murdering people off a list. Starts several new wars, topples several regimes, you know, and then because, and then when Trump comes in, they, they you know, because, I, I think just because he's Republicans, they hate him. Uh, because the FBI is going after him, they now are like fans of the FBI and the CIA and shit. And it's like, who the fuck are you? I, so I don't, I don't get it, you know? And, and I'm not saying that the left is any worse than the right as far as this. I, I feel like it's, it's a lack of a foundational philosophy, like something really core. You know, you're not, you're not working when you're not working off of like a coherent theory, you're easily duped. And I think that's what makes libertarians tough to dupe. It just makes, I think the strategy for dealing with libertarians is to uh, marginalize them and ignore them and tell the world that we basically don't exist or we definitely don't matter um, in the small numbers that we'd exist. And then, you know, and then, and then, you know, the other thing is like there throughout this last year, there has been some, you know, movement of like pushing libertarians into like the alt-right. Um, and like being like rate, like somehow being a voluntarist is racist. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's completely absurd. I mean, there's not, I mean, Go look at it. Like I said, I mean, you know, like the theory that I subscribe to is co- is one that is coherent and is written down and it has nothing to do with race whatsoever. I mean, there's just, it's not at all. It's not at all in there, you know, and, and something that I've heard recently, and I really think it's good because one of the things I kind of 
bugs me a little bit is like, well, the sort of tenets of like the Republican Party almost sound like libertarian. It's like, ah, you know, you're, you you want to like sh- shed this conservative label and say, oh, yeah, but we want to legalize weed and we're anti-war, you know, but really conservatives are definitely like should be anti-war. It's only these neocons that aren't. So anyway, but, you know, um, I, I think the best like to me, like the best thing uh, or the best sort of description that was nice and simple that shows the difference between a libertarian or a voluntarist or an anarcho-capitalist and a conservative is that the conservative is looking back into the past and trying to revive something in the past, you know, whereas the libertarian is looking at the past, like the founding of the country, right? Saying, yes, there was some good there, right? Clearly, right? Uh, Broke away from a fucking monarchy. uh, And there was barely any any regulation, you know, a lot of freedom for some people, right? So it's like, we don't want to go back to that, right? But we want to learn from it. And there was some good things, right? Like you don't throw everything out that happened in the past, right? Like like before, you know, black people were able to vote, like, you know, people were still into wearing shoes. And I think we should keep on rolling with wearing shoes. We shouldn't just fucking get rid of that because, ah, well, these racist white motherfuckers were wearing shoes. It's like, no, man, you got to like evaluate all the different pieces. And like, I think the proper evaluation of the past was, yes, for white men, what they figured out and what they got breaking away from the monarchy and, you know, protect like the, you know, I'm not saying we should go do another Bill of Rights, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I think it should be purely voluntary, but it moved way towards voluntary. And it's and, and my understanding is it had a pretty much like a cascading effect around the world. Um, so that's all good. You know, that's great. But like, you know, but we're libertarians. So we don't want to go back to that, but we want to learn from that. And there's parts of it that are very much in line with our principles. And those are the freedom, right? The, the, the you know, moving towards a voluntary society, very little regulation. And, and uh, hey, gold was money. I, I mean, you know, we believe it really should be a free market for money. You don't force people to take gold as money either, right? People should be able to do whatever they want, you know, trade whatever they want, let the market figure out what the best money is. Um, and maybe there's a bunch of different ones. Um, and, uh, you know, and take that and then move forward and say, hey, maybe we take this voluntary society, like peel back all these fucking insane regulations, you know, that are that are hurting the economy. And then, but, you know, apply these freedoms to everybody across the board. Now that's looking forward, right? That's not looking back. That's looking forward. And um, <laughs> another rant. But anyway, uh, so how does that uh, tie to Trump? It's just saying that I am not a conservative. I am not a Republican, um, you know, and... 
I would not naturally be for Trump, but I feel like just the the absolute like vehement hate and and this sort of like what seems like pretty unreasonable a, a lot of the times, you know, like I got to say like this Russian shit and this boogeyman of Russia in like on Facebook and like it's just I don't buy. I mean, it's just it's not a big deal, man. Like, it's just not. And, and they're making out to be something that it's not. And, and like, as far as I know, there there really isn't, like, evidence of, of any sort of evidence with this that's going to, like, come close to convicting him of some crime or getting him impeached. It, it's just, like, they're fucking looking and looking and looking and looking, you know? And, um, and it's just hate and hate and hate. And, and like, I feel like I... I have this reaction to it that's like, I want to get away from that because that's just some fucking bad juju. And then it's like, I feel like, you know, the while I may view the world as, you know, multidimensional, most of the world and certainly most of the U.S. views life as one dimensional, that if you're moving away from the left, you're going to the right. So it's like, I don't know what to do. I just feel like anything I say, any opinion, right? If I am opposed to the left and and you know whatever it is like uh you know all this comey shit or or you know I mean I feel I feel like this you know like the I mean I think maybe like Trump's sort of like an a little bit uh ignorant in the way he talks but I I don't know if I buy like him being racist but I mean it is like He's not racist. He's a Nazi, right? Like, uh, you know, so if I disagree with that, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, you're, you know, you're a Republican. You know, you're, you're a Trump supporter. You, you know, where's your MAGA hat, right? Or, you know, the other way when, you know, when I want to um, disagree with something Trump does uh, or attack him. I mean, he said some fucking dumb shit about, you know, internet stuff a lot not too long ago, or, well, I guess he hasn't been a president that long, so during his presidency. Anyway, you know, it's like I, I almost hesitate to say that because then it's like, well, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm like, you know, on the left, you know, and then I feel like that's how it comes across. It's like, you know, I know where I stand, but I feel like no matter what I say, it comes across wrong. Um, and I don't know if it's true. I, I mean, I'm just sort of being honest about what, you know, how I feel and, and why a lot, I, I feel like I, in public, I, I retract from, I'm talking a lot because I don't want to weigh in, you know, like it's, it's like, yeah, you know, I want, you know, I want to blast him for shit that's happening in the Middle East or whatever, but like, I don't, you know, I, it's like, and then I don't, but I don't want to, to sound then it almost sounds like somehow I'm like pro Obama. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, if anything, man, I think he might've been worse. He probably was worse. You know, like, it's like, no, they, they both suck, you know? But, uh, in, in all honesty, I will, I mean, I have to admit, like, under Obama, I saw fucking no light at the end of the tunnel with him. You know, like, there was just no, I mean, I just felt like he had everything wrong. With Trump, um, you know, this is why I said when he got elected. I said, you know, like, it's basically, you know, the choice is, like, 
just status quo evil of Hillary Clinton or just fucking total wild card of Trump, but probably also evil. And um, I feel like he's kind of like lived up to that. You know, so he's he's got a couple of you know, he's got a few things now that are building up that, you know, I can't uh, I, I would say at this moment in time, I am feeling the most positive about this guy that I've uh, I felt. And um, that's pretty crazy, you know. Um, now, you know, again, it's like he had they haven't legalized weed. Um, they really haven't done shit with, you know, besides just shake hands and sign a piece of paper with North Korea, but nothing material has really happened yet. And, uh, hey, but the net neutrality was struck down. So that's real. So there's one actual real thing and a couple of sort of theoretical things. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, with the left, I mean, he, he, I, I also think that he hasn't, oh, I think that he also cut taxes, you know, so that's, it's nice. And, um, you know, and, and as far as like on the left, I mean, like they haven't come for anything, right? I mean, they haven't touched, uh, the healthcare, social security. I think the one thing he did that was stupid with the healthcare is, uh, he took away like, uh, what the fuck was it? It basically made it so like, uh, you you could buy it like after you're sick or something. I mean, he took it. It's, it was already like, it's already bad, but he made it a little bit worse. And, um, and then his tariff stuff is obviously like that. All that talk is, is, uh, is, uh, you know, bad economics, but so I think we will, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, this is uh, extremely long, but I also, you know, I, I last week I put out four episodes. You know, I probably would have done five, but I was on vacation. I was in Key West. Um, I uh, shout out to Rodriguez Cigars. I got a tour of their little uh, cigar factory. They're not a little cigar company, but they 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 still have a small factory in Key West and they give you tours, they show you how they roll it. But actually the owner there, I think his name Danny DeFavio, you know, he sat down with my buddy and um it was it was really cool. Showed us a bunch of um pictures of him on uh, I don't know if you guys are if you're cigar people, uh, you know, on my father and their plantations or estates or whatever and growing, rolling cigars, all this behind the scenes stuff and, um, and you know, gave us uh, cigars and they were really good. And, um, you know, so I thought I'd, I would mention that. And, um, yeah, just had a good time. I was there for a buddy of mine's uh, bachelor party and uh, did not bring a computer, certainly didn't bring a mic. I mean, I think for me, uh, recording at home is so much better because of the uh, this, the acoustic treatment I have in here and, uh, you know, the other equipment um, that I, you know, generally will do it here. But anyway, so I missed, you know, maybe an episode or two. So here you go. You know, this is all about the length of three of my previous episodes. So uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to sign off here. Um, you know, check me out on Twitter, Patrick J. Bradley, and uh, look for me on Facebook. I, I Although I changed the name to the whis Whistling in the Dark, I think the Facebook page 
may still be under um, like the no hope link. Yeah, it's just facebook.com slash Patrick Bradley no hope. Uh, but I think if you search Whistling in the Dark podcast, it would actually come up. Uh, anyway, it's got a sweet new logo I made with like Statue of Liberty and cool font. And there's like that, uh, the seal and the dollar kind of watermarked in the background. Pretty tight, man. It's, uh, I did it myself. Uh, all right. Well, uh, take care until the next episode of Whistling in the Dark. Peace.